Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your blessings. Pray your blessings on these few moments. One of the songs, our sins are many, but your mercy is more. Every believer in here counts on that truth. Thank you that you did not set a standard of rules that must be met or we would lose our salvation. That does not give us the freedom to sin. In fact, it places a burden upon us when we do sin, realizing the price paid for that sin. Thank you forevermore for your word and what it means to us, how it changes our lives. Thank you so much. Bless the time together. In Jesus' name, amen. As I, the title I gave to the this sermon is uh, Promises Obtained. But it's an interesting first year, first day of the year. It's a Sunday. I started thinking about New Year's. Uh, Alora and Emmett Beckett, are, this is their first New Year. They don't have a clue is what that means. And some of us, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, well, I won't name some people, but I see them, have seen a lot of New Year's. <laughs> Uh, including me. Uh, so it's really unique. At the end of the year, we often reflect back and say, man, this was, this was rough, this was bad, this was a, a bad time. Many of us have dealt with maybe health issues, losing loved ones even. Uh, <clears throat> but there's been joys too, so we kind of analyze the year. Some are glad to see it go. It's the worst year I've ever had. I don't want to see it again. God give me a better year. Or some say, I'm afraid this last one has been so good, God has been so good to me that he must be building something up for me to go through this year. We we think about a lot of things. I've never made any New Year's resolutions. I, I just don't do that. But what should be the believer's approach to a new year? I, I thought about this. You can quote me if you so desire because I'll probably change it from what I've got down here. I just said, Lord, whatever comes my my way, in whatever way it comes, may I respond to that situation in a way that honors you. That's what my hope is for myself, and I think it should be for us, too. It's a tall order. It's a big order to do that. Um, but we should welcome that challenge. Uh, the current This current world that we live in is desperate in desperate need of an earthly understanding of what creation is, that they're created, and that there is a Savior. Well, let's give that to them. Whenever we can, let's give them that that answer, that hope. Uh, we could talk forever about what we see on all the media sources, and Nancy and I don't have a lot of them. We don't even have Facebook. Uh, I thought it was pretty amazing when we... Learn how to text. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, get on the computer and find some things. And Google, when someone says Google something, now I know what it means. Uh, but there's so much out there and so much that's not even true. And what is true is frightening enough. But you notice how people approach life. 
and how differently we as believers approach that life. So let's give them a hope when we get a chance. In the line at Walmart, if we, you know, if we just ask someone, uh, you know, are you a believer? I've gotten more brave as I've gotten older. Now, I don't do it that, I still don't do it that often, but I have gotten more brave as I've gotten older. Uh, I used to be I was afraid to really approach someone unless I really felt an opening. I had to really feel that. And I always regret if I didn't say something. But uh, I've even asked a few UPS guys when they show up. I know they don't have time to, to sit and talk to me, but I'll, I'll ask them if they know Jesus as their Savior. What, what uh, Nick read for us was really special. Notice how David took these things as promises. Now, David... Uh, he went through quite a few things, some very difficult things. I would have hated to have been running for my life for several months, a long period of time, hiding in caves and in deep ravines and trying to stay away from Saul and his men. I think I would have begun to think, Lord, I thought you said I was a privileged person. You chose me as the youngest son of a whole bunch of brothers, just a shepherd boy to be king someday, and look where I am. But he understood. He understood and knew what was going on, so it was pretty precious for him. So we are able to rise from our beds each morning with confidence for taking on the day. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in Jesus. All right, you say, how does he know that? I know it because there are promises in the scriptures, and I take those to be very special. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, it's kind of the springboard from what I've taken the lesson, uh, this uh, message from. The first verse of chapter 11, it's known as a faith chapter. We see that faith provides us as a gift. God gives us faith to believe in him. The assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. These hoped for things aren't like... You know, like uh, during the football season, boy, I hope West Virginia can win this game, and they don't. Well, the next one, I hope they win this one. Well, maybe they don't. That's not those kind of hopes. Or I hope this year I'll have some decent tomatoes. I just can't grow tomatoes. I can't do it very well. Those are hopes. But these are hopes that are guarantees, promises. That's pretty special. Uh, Hebrews 11.33 says, and let me find it here. i got Mark. Pretty interesting. All these people named before, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises. Now these are really precious, wonderful promises. I want to just give you a few. You know, you know them, some of these well, but do we take them as promises? John chapter sixteen, verse thirty-three. Jesus has been teaching and preaching and sharing and and just trying to give his disciples the idea this world when I leave is going to be very different. It's all about me, my giving my life for the sins of many. It's really interesting. And he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We sometimes read that. We know it probably know by heart, but we just read it and go on. But that is a promise. He says, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, hopefully someday I'll be able to pull this off. 
Those words aren't there. These words say, I have overcome the world, and he has done that. As we look at the world today, it doesn't look overcome by the love and wonder of Jesus. But someday it will resemble exactly what he says there. Another one is Romans 8, 28. You know it well. I used to struggle. Boy, did I struggle with this verse for a long time. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, that all things and the called also for a long time gave me something to think about. We think of all things, the difficulties we go through. If you're a parent, you know what difficulties they are. Raising children is really an amazing an amazing adventure. And uh, then seeing your grandchildren, if you've got grandchildren, and being a part of seeing them grow up too, and being a part of that, wanting to be a part of that, but having to know where that ends and where it's a parent's responsibility, and wanting your married children as they raise their, their kids, sometimes you just wring your hands and say, well, I believe they should do this a little differently, and I believe they should do that a little differently. We all have those ideas, but all things do work together for good to those of us who are called by the Spirit of God to him. We know him. We are a privileged lot. Uh, and in verse 1 of, of uh, have to, you have to get a new te- I mean an Old Testament book in here. So Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my, the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We have heard, we've heard that since we were kids. If you've been around a while, you, you know that verse too, or you've heard it enough to know, know that verse. And that's a promise also. God gives us great promises. But I want to spend the time right now in, in Psalm 16. This is really something. And this isn't, I, I, I can't claim I came up, I've had a lot of help from a lot of people. A lot of people have gone before me. A lot of preachers, a lot of writers of books. Uh, so this isn't original with me, but it's it is out of God's word. So it's pretty pretty special. Psalm 16. David's always praying this: "Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge." He had to take refuge so many times from danger and from harm from Saul. He knows what that's about, and other armies and other peoples. Uh, Verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That's what I want to kind of stress today. (sighs) We have no good apart from God, from Christ. The unsaved world, they can basically say, I have no good. They don't say that because they're striving or some form of good. They want good. They want things to work out for them. They want things to be great, wonderful. I want good, but they will have no good apart from God. That's that's really difficult for those of us who are believers to comprehend that people we love, care for, people we may know that don't know the Lord, and many people throughout this world, the majority that doesn't know the Lord, will have no good. Uh, Any kind of good we receive comes from God. He says here, again, I'll read that one. 
I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. In verse 3, he says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Sometimes David, I think, kind of waxes a little uh, philosophical and and, uh, not playful, but just kind of dreamy a little bit. Uh, I think he was a little bit like that. I think he, he... thought about the other people in the, in the land, the other followers of his, other followers that loved and wanted to serve God. And he says, look at them in the land. Just like we do, if you're like me, you one thing about coming to church, coming to this building as a group that we come from all directions, we walk in here and we're encouraged because we, we say, I know, I know him. Especially me with men, I'll say, I I know him, I know him, I know him, I know him real well, I know him. Man, i got a good group of guys here. I, I feel comfortable being around them. They've got my back, and I should have their back. Someday, who knows what we'll have to stand for, uh, literally stand for as believers. Who knows what that might look like? But it's pleasant. David looked out, saw the saints in the land, and he said, that is my delight, to serve with other like believers, to serve with people that love the Lord like I do. And the next verse, verse 3, uh, I'm 4, I'm sorry. Now this is interesting. That he goes to a different way. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The sorrows of those, they multiply. You know, we, we lament, I wrote this down, we lament over the great multitude who are running, trampling, racing, shoving, pushing, knocking down, stomping. This world is, is moving as hard as it can, as fast as it can, looking for what we have, but looking in all the wrong directions. Ah, if we, if we do things this way, it's got to make human life better. It'll make it more peaceful, more Wonderful for everyone, but just do things this way. And another group yells up, no, we've got to do it this way. They're, they're pushing, shoving, trampling, moving in every direction, looking for what we have found in the Lord, and it's precious to us. David has found his treasure. Verse 5, you'll notice it says, The Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. You, Lord, hold my lot. Now, not that doesn't mean, like in my case, the point, I think it's point four four two, a little bit half, less than half an acre, is what's on the deed the, where we've got our old house perched out, out there across from the Beckett family and beside Teresa and, and Rob. Uh, it doesn't mean that lot. It doesn't mean I have a lot to sell or something like that. We know what that means. There's even a saying people say, well, that's been my lot in life. It's our portion. It's what we've been given. And David has found his treasure, his refuge, but pleads for the Lord to preserve him from the temptation to seek elsewhere. Uh, this is something I wrote down that someone else had written down about these, these verses. This is what God holds. God decides my fortune. He sets my circumstances. He decides my place, my times. My inheritance, he governs my life. Which is the same thing that's said in verse 2, You are my Lord, 
That's what it means to have the Lord, Him as Lord of my life. You govern my life. You hold my lot. You allot my inheritance. I'm in your hands. You are my chosen portion and my cup. You are my good. And that's exactly what He is for us. And that should be so encouraging for us in the days that come. Verse 6 is another one where he waxes, uh, not necessarily poetic, but kind of in a lighthearted manner maybe. I've, I've seen this verse before. I really like it. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. It's almost like he's saying, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. My borders are pleasant. My borders where where I can roam, where I can go, where my life is, is a pleasant place to be. You've heard of people arguing about uh, property lines. I mean, going to court over a few feet or something. I remember the Andy Griffith once where two farmers were arguing, one to put up a fence on his property, but it blocked the sunlight to his chickens and his chickens wouldn't lay. So they were fighting over tearing that fence down and that border and everything. And Andy Griffith said, I know what you can do. Why don't you put up chicken wire? Ah, it, it satisfied both of them. The argument was over. But, I mean, there's been people that have argued over borders and, and uh, property lines. Interesting enough, where Teresa lives now, the people that lived there before, I planted some trees What? what I thought were on my property for Christmas trees. And we did use, out of the six or seven I planted, I think we used four or five maybe before they got too big. And we we got our, we refinanced, so we got our property resurveyed. And I said, uh-oh, uh, a couple of trees are on pro- that property. And the ones I planted on the back, they were all on the other purpose, person's property. Well... We, well, I don't even know how I told you that, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> but verses 1 through 6, God allots to me his goodness. He holds me in his hands. He decides that he and he alone will be my God, and he governs my life. Verses 7 through 9 are encouragement. Let me just read those for us. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is my Right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. The world would love to say that, but only we can say it. Only believers can say this. Uh, So verse 11 really is a basic conclusion. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our place with him is a permanent place. It's an eternal, everlasting place. Pleasures forevermore. He is our good. And these are our promises obtained. Like it says in Hebrews 11.33. I want to read to you something that I read to the family. We we couldn't have our... Well, because of work schedules, all of our, well, Clifton and Joanne and the family and Josh and Chris and the family, we couldn't meet until Wednesday, so we had ours on Wednesday, so we weren't here. Well, no one was here Wednesday night. Uh, anyway, uh, 
But I did read this to them before we opened presents and so forth. Uh, this was something I found that really charged me up for this, really gave me the impetus to do this. I wanted to do something positive, challenging for the new year, and this was something from uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon on February 16th in 1862. It's from a message he gave to the there at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. To put it in perspective, the week of February 6th, or the 10 days, February 6th to the 16th of 1862, uh, General Grant was winning a couple of very key battles in Tennessee, taking Fort Donaldson and Fort Henry uh, back away from the Confederates, and it was a very important time and a very important show of what would come with him as general. So that gives you an idea. It's back during Civil War days. And that, that little tidbit was given for Paul Bailey's benefit. Uh, but, you know, the English that Charles Spurgeon speaks, it's not like the English we speak. It's not like just American English, or it's not especially not like we speak here in West Virginia. So you have to really pay attention to get this. I'm just going to read about a minute, minute and a half worth, but it's really interesting. And this message was called Obtaining Promises. And he took his, what he was sharing. I didn't really take anything from his message because <laughs> it was too much for me. But Hebrews 11.33, who through faith obtained promises. This is how he begins it. The promises of God are to the believer an inexhaustible mine of wealth. Happy is it for him if he knows how to search out their secret veins and enrich himself with their hid treasures. They are to him an armory containing all manner of offensive and defensive weapons. Blessed is he who has learned to enter into the sacred arsenal to put on the breastplate and the helmet and to lay his hand to the spear and to the sword. They are to the believer a surgery in which he will find all manner of restoratives and blessed elixirs. He shall find therein an ointment for every wound, a cordial for every faintness, a remedy for every disease. Blessed is he who is well skilled in heavenly pharmacy and knoweth how to lay hold on the healing virtues of the promises of God. The promises are to the Christian a storehouse of food. They are as the granaries which Joseph built in Egypt, or as a golden pot wherein the unrotting manna was preserved. Blessed is he who can take the five barley loaves and fishes of promise and break them till his 5,000 necessities shall all be supplied, and he is able to gather up baskets full of fragments. The promises are to the Christians Magna Carta of Liberty. They are the title deeds of his heavenly estate. Happy is he who knoweth how to read them well and call them all his own. Yea, they are the jewel room in which the Christians' crown treasures are preserved, the regalia, secretly his today, but which he shall openly wear in paradise. He is already a king who hath the silver key 
with which to unlock the strong room. He may even now grasp the scepter, wear the crown, and put upon his shoulders the imperial mantle. Oh, how utterly rich are the promises of our faithful, covenant-keeping God. That thing goes on and on and on and on. As we approach a new year, we definitely don't know what each day has in store for each of us. We make plans. There's nothing wrong with that. We make plans. We we make vacation plans. We uh, decide what we might want to do. Um, every fall, I tell Nancy, I'm not messing with that garden anymore. Tired of it. Works me to death. I don't get it. Diddly squat from it. But by spring, the juices start flowing. And I get out there. and Just a small garden, but I just can't garden like mom and dad did. It just doesn't work. But I keep trying. So we make plans. We, we think, well, this week we've got to do this, this, and this. But... If we don't take into, into clear view the wonderful, beautiful promises of God and claim them, none of those plans will make any difference in our lives. So let's plan to live by his promises, take them seriously. Not like we humans give promises. All three of my kids can point to very specific, I mean to the letter, almost verbatim what I said and promised them. It didn't come through with it. I said, what? Yeah, you remember that? You don't remember any of the times you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But they sure remember the times where I didn't come through with things. I said, and Nancy look at me. You said that. I said, I thought you were supposed to be my helpmate here. You know? Turncoat. God doesn't make promises that are broken. We can count on them. We may need those promises more this year than we have for a long time. I don't know. Well, this may be one of the greatest years we ever see God work in this world. That he will do as he pleases, as he pleases, to whom he pleases, with whom he pleases. And I pray he will use us here at DBC to claim his promises and live for him and serve him well. I hope you will join me in that. We need all work together. Uh, as a believing family, uh, I know there are, there, are, there are areas in my life as an elder that I'm not just really as, nearly as strong as I need to be. I know they're there. I know them. They haunt me sometimes. And when I'm with the Lord alone, I know what it is to be David sometimes. Uh, but I don't come to you and say I am weak I'm not a good elder in this area I'm not a good teacher in this area I'm not a good truth seeker leader in this area I'm not this I'm not that so I don't want to do that anymore if we all did that if Carl did that we would have no pastor if any of us did that we would have no one serving anywhere we serve him perfectly before a perfect God. And that's all we can do.
We just pray to do things better. Help me do them better. Help me be stronger in this area, in that area. So let's plunge into this new year together. The things that we will do together here as a church family, let's do them well. Let's be creative. Let's be strong. Let's be God-honoring and claim his promises. He loves it when we say, Lord, it's in your word. I am claiming this right here. I want this. You mean it. I take it. It's mine. I want it. Show it to me through the days ahead. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we enter this new year like everyone else who is a believer. We depend upon you. We trust you. We thank you that you have made so many beautiful promises to us that we have no good thing apart from your providing it. Nothing is good apart from what you provide. And we need not fear. You will come true with each and every promise that is ours. And our word is so full of promises. Everywhere are promises of what you have done, are doing now, and will do. And we can claim those and live by them. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do it well. Because the things we face this coming year, may we be strong together. May we support one another. May we not expect perfection out of others when we don't in ourselves. Please, Lord, help us to be loving and caring and forgiving one another as you've forgiven us. And we just pray for a blessed year where we would be like David there in Psalm 16 and and say, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The lines would fall around our families and around our church family in pleasant places. Not just to make things easy for us, but to bring you honor and glory that you deserve. You chose the time when you would go to the cross for us. You will choose a time for us to be with you. It, it is a promise. We take it. Bless us as we leave this place today. Be with various family members as they travel back to their home soon. Be with the Dingus family, Nate Licks, and uh, the Laws are out of town too. We pray for them as they come back tomorrow. And, and we just pray your blessings upon us as we go forward. May we be light and salt. And do it with smiles on our faces where the world may say, these Christians, these Christian people are satisfied with what they have. They're satisfied with this Jesus, they claim. They're well satisfied with the hope in him. What makes them like that? And may we have answers for them. It's a joy to be a part of a a church family. And we just pray your blessings upon us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.